Hello, and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And I'm Dave. My name is Chris. Why do you say <laughs> that? Why do you say it like that? I don't know, I just like that. My well, name is Chris. Maybe you should introduce it. Hello, welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. My name is Chris. <laughs> no, my name is Dave. My name is Chris. Yeah. Um, so here we are sitting here doing another podcast this is going to be another one of those episodes that we just let it rip and Chris, we have no clue what we're doing. Chris, but why don't you set the scene? Yeah, we're in this little, this is a cheap motel. <laughs> it's funny. It's not any fucking Dave, just for everybody to you know, he blows everything out of proportion. No, he blows the house in the Southampton out of proportion. Yeah, it's a nice house, but he makes it sound like it's an estate on the beach from billions. You know, I did not town. make it sound it's like in that. in town. Dude, the, it's like, the way you talk about this room, it makes me think that when you would smoke crack in a welfare hotel, you were like at the Ramada <laughs> or something. Okay, yes. If you're referencing it to crack motels, this is a palace. Dude, this is a really nice hotel room. It's a huge... Just so you guys listen, anybody who's of this universe, we are in... What's the hotel called? The Park... The Park Central Hotel. The I Park... Mean, this is cheaper. This is the cheaper option. Cheaper than what? Than the Essex House and the Plaza. Not cheaper Not than fucking plaza. Holiday Inn. Not this plaza. is the fucking... No, it's the same as Holiday Not the same as Holiday Bullshit. Price-wise, yes. Well, who's paying for this room? Pardon. And, and how much do you think it costs? Um, a night. I, you know what I would guess? No, it just totally depends. The, the fucking... I get in hotels in New York all the time. It's all over the place. When? I, I've known you... I, I've known you forever. When's the last time you got a hotel in New York? You get them all the time. <laughs> when I was with Tina, we yeah. would do stay, staycations. And we'd go stay in hotels sometimes. Oh, staycations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you never, you never taken a staycation? <laughs> have, have I ever taken a staycation? <laughs> in my life? Have I ever... What is, can, you, can you tell me what a staycation is? Well, what happened was... Uh, I relapsed and I didn't go home for Christmas so we spent Christmas together in New York City and I wasn't seeing my family and stuff was just shitty and I had a bunch of money so I was like let's just go stay at a really nice hotel so we went and stayed in a that was one particular moment you're talking about but you're, you're describing I've something. done it with her a couple times. Right. And I did it with Heidi uh, once, too, because she had roommates, and I didn't want to, just didn't feel like... Did you say this? Just say, hey, baby, let's take a staycation. Actually, I think it was Tina that used the word staycation. What is a staycation? It's when you stay, but you go on a vacation. Yeah, my staycations are always at home. I have, that's not a staycation. Well, then I've never had a staycation. It's just hanging out at home. Yeah, that's what I do. I hang. I don't even get to hang out at home. I don't even get to do that. I remember when I went with Tina, I, uh, I was still using and hiding it, and I drank. She went in the shower, and I chugged all the mini bottles of vodka from the uh, mini bar and filled them back up with water. And then, like, brush my teeth and use Listerine and, like, ate a ham sandwich. Like, just put as much stuff in me as I could. And she still knew. How'd she know? She well, she had a really good sense of smell. And she's like, you smell like you've been drinking. I was like, oh, I just used some Listerine. She she knew where it would, like, come out my pores. Because I just, like, it's just, like, it's not just my breath. It, like, I just, like, smell, like, booze everywhere. When you drink all the vodka out of the mini bar. Just pounding them. Okay. And then you replace them all. With water. With water. Do you, does it come back to you? Do they find out and bill you? I don't even know. I never check. But yeah, I think they usually find out. It was more just if Tina looked in there, she wouldn't be able to tell. I don't feel like shaming you right now, so I'm going to not ask the next question. What? Tell me. No, I don't feel like shaming you. Why not? Just shame me. No, I don't feel I like I want it. it. No, no. <laughs> okay. 
Um, you're obviously not getting the bills for your staycations. No, this was I was 100% self-sufficient at this point in my life. So this was did, when I was working and making a lot of money. So you were I, paying. I was making a lot of money and I had no bills. I was, I was, my place was paid for. My fucking so car, you were paying the train for, was you were for. paying for your staycation. Yeah. So did they find out about you stealing all the vodka? I don't even remember. I I, I had I didn't even have I had enough money where I didn't even care to check it. I wonder. Yeah. I wonder if that's something people can do to beat the system. Oh, yeah. When I was a kid, I used to do it, but I think they got wise to it. And they actually, some of the newer mini bars have little sensors, so if you move something, it, like, That's notes enough. that it's moved. I don't know. Just, I don't think it bills you, but it notes that it was moved. And then I think they probably check it more, maybe. And I bet it gets very, very pricey. Oh, my God. Those little bottles. It was those little Grey Goose bottles. They were bigger than the nips, but they were, like, probably double a nip or something. I forget what the milliliter is. And each one's, like, $14. Yeah, it's pricey. Yeah. And, and Tina's getting married, right? Tina's getting married. I feel like I shouldn't talk too much about this. Does she listen to it? No. She listened to that one episode, which was one of my favorite episodes. The end of when I pretended to... Did you send to, it to her? I did. You really have problems. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought she was... Actually, I should probably talk about this on Dopey. I thought that she was going to laugh. It was my favorite, one of my favorite stories. I just remember it so well where I pretended I was experiencing flashbacks when I dropped LSD that way I could it's hide really the fact that classic. I dropped LSD. And what happened, Dopey Nation, if you haven't heard it, is I took a bunch of LSD when I was at a movie with my ex-girlfriend. And then it started to kick in. We were watching Wolf of Wall Street. We went back to her apartment. I was like, fuck, she's going to know I'm tripping. So I said, let's meditate. So we meditated together. And then I was like, once we're done meditating, I'm going to open my eyes and say I feel funny and I think I'm experiencing flashbacks. You didn't tell her that. This I didn't tell her decided. that. This is what I decided Did when I was Did you decide tripping. this as soon as you started tripping or before you well, tripped As soon as acid. it started coming on strong, I was like, let's meditate because I was like, I'm not going to be able to hide this from her. Um, so we meditated. I opened my eyes and I'm like, I feel like I'm tripping. And she's like, wow. She's like, you look funny. And I like pretended to walk in the bathroom and look in the mirror. And I was like, oh my God, my eyes are so big. And like... I was like, wow, I must be experiencing HPPD or hallucinogen persisting perceptual disorder. And her reaction was literally like, now you can just close your eyes and trip whenever you want to, you know, just meditate. Like it was a good thing. That was a really funny And that's not even the end of the story. Should I just finish it real quickly? So the end of the story was um, she, I start tripping harder and harder and harder. And I get, you know, this, I just start to feel bad about it. I was like, fuck, I got to tell her the truth. So I'm like, hey, like, Tina, I got to tell you something. Like, I took LSD, and her reaction is, no. She's like, it was just the meditation. She's like, she was like trying to help you through it. She's like, you're confused. And I was like, no. I was like, when we were at Wolf of Wall Street, I went into the bathroom, I removed the LSD from my wallet, and I ate it. Where did you get the LSD? I had it from Silk Road. I had a bunch of it in my room that I was, like, lying and not throwing away. Um, Do you think lots of people use Silk Road? Yeah, people. It's not Silk Road anymore. There's a million offshoots. People are still using it, even though they try to crack down on it. Where do you? But su- you need to sit over here, dude. They just can't pick you up. You Where do you suppose the acid is coming from? There's supposedly one huge. If you Google like Silk Road acid, like Lord or something, there's one guy who like fucking really puts it forth. Make sure you project your voice so they can hear you. Um. So anyways, who's the guy? I don't know. You know how they sent it to you? They sent it to me in a, um, it was a card, a birthday card. Uh, no, it wasn't a birthday card. It was an appointment card. And like your next doctor's appointment. And it was for an optometrist or an ophthalmologist. And inside it was a laminated card that said like 10% off your next visit. Use this code. 
And I remember he's like, I was like, because I was ordering so much drugs off Silk Road. I was like, is this like this? I don't know who this person is that sent me this. And I was like, I think this is drugs. And so then so I. So you didn't even know. You get a card. Yeah, I knew I had drugs coming in the mail. And you and had so many drugs coming. You're like, oh, I a s- birthday card. Who's no, <laughs> <laughs> wishing me a happy birthday? No, I knew it was probably the LSD because I didn't recognize it. But then there was this laminated card and I was like, I couldn't find the LSD. It was hidden so well. So I was like, maybe it's inside the laminated card. So I got scissors, cut it open, and it was inside it. And not only it wasn't, it was blotter, but it wasn't even perforated or it didn't have a logo on it. It was just a strip. Like, it was just... And I was like... How many doses? It was, it was a 10 strip, and it was pretty tiny. How much do you have to pay for a 10 strip on Silk Road? I don't remember. It's cheap. It's like 50, 60 bucks. Um, and so everything's marked up on Silk Road, but all the... It's like Amazon. It was where it used to be before they shut it down, where there's, like, reviews on stuff, people talking about what it's like and stuff. It was, it was always marked up, the price, but it was always, like, top-notch quality. When I was in college, me and my friend Zev who was my roommate, uh, we would always go to Sheep's Meadow uh, to buy acid. Mm-hmm. We would buy it from this Mexican guy named George. Who, it was in those days, in the 90s, in Sheep's Meadow, uh, Sheep's Meadow was like a hippie paradise. Every, like There was like six different like high-end bud dealers, hash dealers, mushroom dealers, <laughs> so acid weird. dealers... Just that right there. Ex- that doesn't exist anywhere. Just right anymore. there. Everybody's wearing tie-dye. Everybody's it's playing... It's like a fish concert 24-7. They're playing hacky sack. Yeah. They're throwing the frisbee around. And George was this Mexican guy who looked like Carlos Santana. Or, or what's that guy? Danny Trejo? Danny Trejo, He yeah. looked like him. He's in Narcotics Anonymous. He's been sober 20 years. That's great. You just outed him. <laughs> uh, he had long hair. He'd wear a cowboy hat. And I remember we went up to him, and, and it was the first time. And we went up to him, and we were like... Uh, I heard you had acid. He's like, that's right. And we're like, well, um, we wanted to buy a lot, but we wanted, we didn't want to get ripped off. You know, we wanted to make sure it was good. He goes here. And he gives us like five doses. He gives it to you. He goes, goes, take it. I'll see you in 25 minutes. And, And me and my friend split it and fucking tripped face and went back and we were like, and we got like it was like fifty bucks for a sheet in New York City in the late nineties. We bought like three sheets. Uh, we drove back That's like tripping. A summer's worth. We, no, no. But we, Zev had this plan that we could uh, pay for anything we wanted in school by always having acid. Like we would sell acid in college. Yeah. So we would every time. So then we bought this acid from George. Yeah. We drove back and we're like tripping and wobbly. And uh, and as we and, and our our big um, tradition, our, was our what do you call it? Um, a thing that you always do, like what's tradition. The, there's another word for it, like uh, ritual. <laughs> ritual. Our ritual would be that when we leave the park, we would each buy a knish from the hot dog stand. Isn't it a nish? It's, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at work. I'm at work. Everyone's like, I would like a kanash. I'm like. Fucking shit. I'm like, what? I was like, kanash. They're like, I would like three niches. I, I, it's like... Oh, I'll take two niches. I'm like, you motherfucker. All right, so what happened? You anyway, so we, we would buy our knishes on the way out of the park, and that's how we'd know we'd made it safe. Then we would drive back to college, and we'd live in the dorms, and we would put it in the back of a CD. And then we would just sell acid, trade acid... And, uh, and it's so, just like so hard to get caught. And... Well, but it's a if, good if you're gonna sell drugs, 
I feel like acid's a good one. I mean, there, there isn't like these tough guys buying. You know, it's like breaking your place. Like the, the odds of that happening is low. No one's There's gonna no drug get sniffing gods. The, no, I mean, every it, it's slightly possible somebody could you know go schizophrenic. <laughs> you could, oh yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's pretty rare though. It's it's blown out of proportion on how often people think the that markup happens. is five hundred percent. Yeah, you know, you're paying fit like. If it's fifty bucks for a hundred hits, you're paying two dollars a hit. See, the thing is, I could never do that because I get drunk and I take whatever drugs I have. And there's literally dozens of times I'd have LSD. I'd be pretty fucking wasted, and I'd be like, "I'm just gonna take a little LSD," and I'd drop two or three tabs, and then it would be twelve hours later, and I just want to kill myself. You know what I mean? I'd be like, wait, like, like really fucking drunk, like you know, had like drinking like a fifth to a liter of vodka over five hours like borderline blackout and then I'd start coming out of the blackout sometimes and I'd be hallucinating and I'd be like why am I hallucinating and I'd be like oh, I think I dropped LSD like I wouldn't even remember sometimes I was fairly responsible then yeah. you know like I, I first of all I never you know I never you drank. drink like that yeah. and um, and I never like I never got too fucked up back you then. know like this is dopey my thing was shooting coke and doing heroin but in my heart of hearts I am just a low bottom purebred alcoholic well, you, do you, you know that? Yeah, those are your genetics. Those are my genetics. <laughs> but <laughs> <The> Irish scum. <laughs> and we would we would we would sell at school, and uh, that first year they were like relaying the asphalt or something, and there would be that smell of yeah. asphalt. I kind of like that smell. Whenever I, I whenever I smell asphalt, all I can think of is acid and knishes. Really, that's it. <laughs> that's what it brings up. Yeah, but it was also like, like. My friend Todd, yeah. oh my god, like he bought the same acid. Like, yeah. like we would all go to Central Park, but he was still in Ithaca and he was living with this crazy guy. Yeah, okay. I mean, this story is gonna get a little confusing and it might not be worth its weight in gold, but I have to tell it. All right, I had left Ithaca because I got busted with weed. Yeah, I'm sure I told that story. Yeah, yeah, you told him. And, um, and Todd stayed in Ithaca, and Ryan, the conspiracy theorist, yeah. stayed in Ithaca. And Ryan lived uh, in an apartment with Herbert Hoover's grandson, and uh, and Todd lived in a house with some crazy kid. And one night, uh, Todd had come back with all these doses and put them in his freezer. And uh, and Todd was hanging out with Ryan, Herbert Hoover's grandson, and uh, I shouldn't even say that. Yeah, whatever. Um, and uh, and Todd's crazy roommate. And for some reason, and I don't know why I'm telling this story. But for some reason, Ryan mentions to Todd's roommate that Todd has 200 doses in his freezer. And it turns out Todd's roommate, his dream of dreams is to be an FBI agent. (laughs) He calls the cops. He tells the cops that Todd has 200 doses in the freezer. The cops come and arrest Todd for having 199 doses in the freezer. <laughs> Todd's parents have to hire a lawyer. They found it? They time? found it. They, they put can him do in that, jail. just come in and search your place? I, I guess so. Yeah. And, Ryan, and Todd never forgave Ryan for this. You know, Ryan, I'm sure you're... Todd's not listening to this, but I bet Ryan is. Yeah. So that's the story. Yeah. Ryan, you can write us an email or call in or next time, and you can tell your that's side of the story. That's fucked up. What happened to Todd? Did he do any time? Or? No, his parents spent like 30 grand, and they got that expunged from his record. Oh my god! And, but Todd was in for a lot more problems down the road, so like I don't know if it was worth the money or not. Yeah. Maybe it was. Maybe he'd be doing a hard time if they hadn't expunged that bust. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it was crazy. Because that was like exactly what you're talking about. Innocuous acid dealing, <laughs> whatever. And Ryan blabs it to the G-Man kid, you know, the junior FBI. Yeah. And then blammo. And Todd got kicked out of Ithaca. I wonder if Ryan, then, if Ryan sh- perceived that happen to somebody else, if it would have been some crazy conspiracy for him. But then you check this out. Beca- this is crazy. Because that happened, Todd got kicked out of Ithaca, had to transfer to Oswego, where he met my daughter's mother, which is how no I met way. my daughter's mother, which is why so my daughter if it exists. it wasn't for acid, your daughter wouldn't exist. Yeah, if Ryan hadn't busted Todd, my daughter wouldn't exist. No, it's bigger than that. If it wasn't... <laughs> what's the guy's name? Albert Hoffman. Yeah. If Albert Hoffman didn't discover acid... Or if that Mexican accident. George didn't have such great deals, I wouldn't have a daughter. Oh, my God. That's crazy. I'm thinking Albert Hoffman is... I don't, I don't think this is fun. I don't think this is fun. That's my brain takes it. Really? I'm not going for funny. I'm just going back. I didn't say funny. I said fun. Fun. I don't think it's as fun to, to attribute Albert Hoffman to the conception of my offspring. Yeah. But maybe. I, I, why don't you tell them about... Um, I want to talk more about this crazy dinner. <gasps> no. I want to talk about oh, what... We, you, ha- we do have to play uh, that one voicemail. we got plenty of time, though. I want you to talk about what happened to that episode. What episode? The episode that's gone now. Oh, well, I can't. I can't go too into it. Why? Because uh, I told the person I wouldn't. And I want to stand by my word. Oh, you wouldn't? But you don't... Oh, man. I didn't tell her. She didn't really care that much, but I just was like, as a matter... I'll I'll give the broad strokes. I shared on an episode, some of you might have had the... A very risque episode. Yeah, the luxury of hearing it. It was episode... 57, I think. Maybe. And I shared some stuff that happened on a date with very a woman. Very sexy, sexy stuff. <laughs> or not that sexy. It was very yeah. sexy And uh, basically, um, I'm an idiot, and I shouldn't have said this stuff. And that's all you're going to get out of me. But then he went back, and he erased half of it. Yeah. And now that episode's gone. But I put this great intro, you know. <laughs> you should play the intro now. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. It'll be very meta dopey. It's very, very, very bad. Okay, this is the intro that I created for the podcast that I deleted. It's so bad. All right, it's ringing. Let me move this up a little bit. It put up the yoga incredibly. What are you doing? Do you know that's my band? Hello, and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, this and dumb great. shit. Chris here. Speaking of dumb shit, yours truly did something incredibly moronic and said some stuff on this episode that came from a place of poor judgment, so it had to be edited for content. I apologize, Dopey Nation, for the truncated version. Truncated. Edited for content. (laughs) Truncated. Give it to me straight, Chris. You didn't like that? No. Edited. What does that mean, edited for content? It means I put shit in there that couldn't be in there. Okay, let me ask you another question. If something isn't edited for content, what's it edited for? Um, maybe there's, uh, like, hmm, that's a good one. <laughs> I have an answer. Maybe. It's edited for time. For time. It's okay, edited for yeah. time as opposed to content. Yeah, so this one's edited for content. Isn't that a crazy story, though, that connects the birth of my child to Todd's bust? I've never made that connection until that's, this Oh, you just did? Yeah. That is pretty wild. Oh, so I have some notes. Should I get my notes? Might as well. 
Ugh, where's my phone, dude? It's in your hand, you dumb <laughs> fuck. Are you kidding me? Uh, I swear to God, I was looking. Uh, what just fell so, out of your nose? It's <laughs> <laughs> not. Uh, so, Dopey Nation, I was just rolling around on the bed looking for my phone, and it was in my hand. It was what I just used to play that intro. This episode You're amazing. sucks. All right, so. You're amazing. My notes. Do you think this episode sucks? I don't know. Is that where you want to go with this? Um, so, oh, hidden drugs. Okay, so we had somebody email us and ask us, have we ever hidden drugs anywhere um, and forgotten about them? Or what are the weird spots we've hidden them and stuff? So that's something we can talk about. And then I have another one here that's just I want to mention real quickly that I've never talked about. Um, super dumb story. It's called, it's just, my note is bowls of water. So I was at this one rehab, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it was like an inpatient, and it was in Tustin in Orange County, right? It's called Cornerstone. I went, to a, I went to a treatment center called Cornerstone. There's a ton of Cornerstone. But it was in Rhinebeck, New York. Yeah, there's a shitload of It was a real garbage dump. Was it? Yeah. This one was decent. Um, so anyways, I had a girlfriend that was living a few towns away, and this was, you know, you go to group all day and like shuffling around, and like that's the deal. Well, there was a house, basically there's like all these little different houses in this cul-de-sac and you have a house manager and like they come in and look in sometimes. Well, the house manager was gone for like three weeks. So they just had a house manager from another house come by at night and he'd just do bed checks every once in a while. So it was like much more kind of lax because this guy was gone. So every night I'd have my girlfriend wait at the end of the street and I'd make up my bed to look like somebody was in it. I'd put, like, pillows and blankets over it so that way when he opened it, he'd see, like, a lump, you know? And then I'd sneak out and I'd go hang out with my girlfriend the entire night, get drunk. Usually just I'd drink, like, steel reserves back then. I'd have, like, four 24-ounce steel reserves. So I wouldn't get trashed, but I'd get pretty drunk. And then I'd come home. I'd come back to the place, sleep for, like, an hour, and then go to groups the next day, right? So, uh... Sometimes when we were doing this, I'd always I'd bring back like one steel reserve and have it in bed, you know, with me, and I drink it at like three a.m. What is is that beer? It's a it's malt liquor, so it's like high. It's like eight point one percent alcohol, so it's a little bit stronger than regular beer. So, anyways, uh, I'd bring back a steel reserve with me and drink it in bed before I went to sleep. Well, I liked my steel reserves cold, so I'd get a bowl and I'd fill it up with ice and I'd put the steel reserve in the bowl of ice under my bed, and then when I was like ready for it, I would drink it. Well, each night I would get a new bowl and fill it with ice from the kitchen, right? And so I'd been doing this for like weeks, and something happened. I got like how a, big a bowl? They had like there's like a big it's like a big <coughs> regular kitchen. They're all different size bowls too. I was like getting these salad bowls, like mixing bowls, like doing like any. any how bowl. many bowls can you fit under a twin? It was bed? a rehab for yeah. So there was probably like eight or nine under there. Right? So it was for a week. Yeah, I've been doing it. There's like eight or nine total. Over, the way, the over story weeks. you're telling me is several weeks. We're talking about thirty. Yeah, but it wasn't bowls. no, but it wasn't every single night I was doing this. I didn't sneak out every night. I snuck out like every couple nights. Okay. You know? So uh, and I'd have the bowl of ice, and so I got in trouble, and they were like searching my room, or my roommate got in trouble, or something. And they were like grooming through my room, and they look under my bed, and they find like eight or nine bowls full of fucking water, and I am like pretty good at lying on the spot, and they were like. They, like, pull them out. They're like, what are these? And I just had nothing. Like, urine. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what to say. I drink a lot of they water, like, so my urine is mostly water. They're like, why do you have bowls of water under your bed? I was like, I, just, I, I don't know. 
I read they were there before. Don't you just said, I don't know. I, I think I just said, I don't know, yeah. I mean, does that work? I don't know. It wasn't even retelling it. It wasn't that funny. But I remember in the moment, I was just like, I was, had nothing. I should have said, like, I was putting my foot in the ice. So I just had nothing. Urine. Yeah, urine. <laughs> it's my urine. It's pee. I didn't like to get out of bed, so I would pee in bowls, put them <laughs> under the bed. But, um, but, you see, this is interesting to me. Because if I ever got caught in a lie, I would cop to it so fast. Like, I would never consider saying, I don't know. Do you know what happened to me? There's a reason why. I used to be like you. When I was 15, I went to sailing camp in the Caribbean. Okay. All right? Uh, And I got drunk at sailing camp. Okay. Um, And uh, I bought a bunch of booze. You don't have to be any age to buy down there. I drank, and it was like... There's like 13 boats with like 10 people on it each. It was called Action Quest, the place. And so I got drunk and everybody in the camp, all of the other campers knew I was drunk and everyone was pretty young. So it was like kind of taboo, you know, or like whatever. Like, and so this guy, his name was Sharky and he was our counselor on our boat. He, he's like, Chris, come with me. And he takes me in this little dinghy, you know, off the side of the boat and we go drive around. I'm like, it's kind of weird. And he's like, Chris, I have to ask you a question. He said, have you been drinking? Right. And you know what I said? I said, yes, I've been drinking. And he told the head of the camp, and they kicked me out of the camp. I had to go, they took me to the airport, and I had to go fly home early. And I remember my parents weren't that mad, because the head of the camp said, had I lied, I wouldn't have had to go home, because they had no proof other than that people were talking about me drinking. And after that moment, I was like, I am never going to cop to anything ever again in my life. It's a good age to learn that lesson. Yes. Because I still cop to everything. No, now I cop to everything. Because I got sober, obviously. It's no, but I, radical I would, honesty. I would cop to everything, no matter what. And it was always... No, maybe I didn't. <laughs> no, I, 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 I would try to get away with something. And then the second I wouldn't get away with it, I would cop to everything. You know what I mean? That's good, though. That's a, that's a positive quality. You know what story, like, I never retold on the show? The Nurdle story. The Nurdle story, but the one that I really love to tell yeah. is that crazy detox with the tennis ball full I feel like of you told that again. No, I only told it once. It was on the second episode. No, the second episode was... Um, the seizure story. Seizure story. I never told it again. Tell it. I personally like the Nurdle story more, but tell it. The story was... I was in this horrible detox in California. It was a free detox. And um, and I think the dope was so bad before I went there that when I pissed, there wasn't even any heroin in my system. Like, the dope was, like, all clonopin. It was, like, mostly clonopin. But I was... Or some other thing. I don't, I don't know. Probably not clonopin. No, it was mostly benzos. I don't even know... If- you can shoot them. You have to, like, do something to it. And it was tar. Yeah. It was tar. Yeah. Who knows what the hell was in yeah. there. But it was discolored tar. Yeah. I'm sure there was heroin. Yeah. Anyway, they put... they. It was, like, very early in Suboxone and Naltrexone in detoxes. Yeah. You know? And they put me on that stuff, and I felt like I was on speed. It was just, like, a bad fit. I was super uncomfortable. Yeah. And I was, like, super... Like stressed out, skitched out, speed. I felt speeded up. Yeah. Like 
Have you ever felt like that from yeah. from from uh, Suboxone? Yeah. Naltrexone. It's naloxone, but yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. What is the difference? They're the same thing. They're both antagonists that knock the opiates or opioids off your receptors. Naltrexone is longer lasting. Naloxone is very short acting. So naloxone is basically a short acting, powerful opiate opioid antagonist. So why does it make you feel speedy? I don't know. It was probably actually the buprenorphine. It was probably the suboxone that made you feel speedy. It was the first time you were taking it. That's yeah. how you reacted. Because when I if when I I used to take suboxone when I was sober sometimes. And it fucks you up for like a day, you know, as long as you have no tolerance at all. And uh, I would, f- it was like a, I would feel like I was like on dope, but it was like speedy. I know what you mean. And I, would, and I couldn't sleep well on it. You know, it wasn't like, I, I'd feel like almost like it was like, like restless leg. I just, I, I know what you're talking about. It was, it was the bupe. Well, that I was, I was a mess. And that was also the detox where my bunkie, the guy next to me, was like this homeless guy from downtown LA that coincidentally I always bought clonopins off of. Yeah. He was my clonopin dealer. He was just stand there on the street like with pills in his hand. And uh, this is in Skid Row, or yeah. Okay. And, and he was it was a public detox, and he was just like Have you retold the Skid Row story of, of copping in Skid Row. Which one? Just sort of spit in your hand. I mean, it's, we both experienced that, but I mean... Oh, yeah, well, they, they spit... Not just only did they tell them what it was like. Tell well, them dope nations. Well, they had an experience. Well, with pills, with pills, it wasn't like no, that. No, no, but with the But with, with the, balloons, the dope, with, with the balloons, balloons, I would pull... if On the best days, and I, and I can picture the best days like this, it was somehow raining. It was it was so <laughs> early that it was dark. <laughs> In my memory... These are the good days. These, these were the best days. Yeah. It's raining... And it's dark, yeah. and I don't have to get out of my car, yeah. and I have money, yeah. so I buy two paquetes, you know, yeah. each. And what's it in a paquete? At least ten balloons or fifteen balloons or well, bundles ten. What's in a paquete? I, I think it was know. twelve. Yeah. So I'd buy two paquetes, and that's twelve balloons in balloons or in like clear yeah. thing. And they they come up to your car and say, "What do you need?" And you and you say, "Jiva." And they say, yeah. Chiva or Karga. They never said Karga to me. Yeah. They always say Chiva. Yeah. And, uh, and you get a good deal on the Chiva, especially if you buy a fucking paquete. Yeah. You know, you're getting like 12 for yeah. 40 bucks and you get like 25 balloons for yeah. 90 bucks or something. Yeah. Give him the money. He spits them out in his hand. And then I'm like, I just look at him and I just put him in my mouth. Ugh. And I feel his Mexican it, saliva yeah. on my... Jewish saliva, <laughs> and then, and then uh, I, anyway. So, but this guy was an old white guy who would sell benzos on Skid Row, yeah. and he lived on Skid Row. And it turned out he was a very like he, he was, was a Methadonian, most likely. Most likely he was a Methadonian. Anybody that ever sold pills on the street, they were Methadonians. He was most likely a Methadonian, but he came from like a well-to-do family, <laughs> and like his father was some kind of scientist. And he so had like, made it better for you. He just had some kind of very eclectic life. Yeah. Like he was the guy who spent years in the the Bering Sea in Alaska crab fishing, and he had the jailhouse tattoo on his hand oh, that said me. that yeah. said "Pay here." Yeah, pay you know? here. Yeah, and yeah. I, he was like, he was like, Bunky, you got anything to help you sleep? And I was like, No. And he was like, I get Seroquel. 3,000 milligrams every night. This is the... Well, he didn't get 3,000. <laughs> he got some crazy shit. The medical max, which I was on, is 1,200. He would get 1,200. You would get like, in a dose, too. He you, would say... You don't give you more than 400 in a dose, usually. What a, he gave me a lot. He gave a lot of cerebral. <laughs> yeah. And he would be like... He, I love that he called me Bunky. He'd yeah. be like, Bunky, I could give you the Seroquel. 
if you would just be hooking me up with them Marlboro Reds. <laughs> and I'd be like, and I had Marlboro Reds out the yin yang. I had like, you wouldn't cards. trade? Dude, I said, this drawer is full of Marlboro Reds. You keep me in Seroquel at night. Yeah. You take what you need, Bunky. My Bunky is your Bunky. You go, go for it. He liked that, huh? Dude, I'm a very open, sharing guy. Yeah. Anyway. You know, a 400 milligram Seroquel could get you eight soups in jail. What kind it's of a soup? Hot commodity. Uh, just top ramen, chicken or beef. What did you prefer? <laughs> I didn't really care. Towards okay. the end of jail, you know, I would. Well, sorry, continue. But no, please. I was say, towards the end of jail, I would eat. It was, this was. <laughs> oh my god, this is cracking me up. It was literally like Tom Hanks and Castaway. Remember, when he makes the fire and he he cooks the uh, the crab and then he catches like the fish and cooks it over the fire. And then it fast forwards to three years later when he has the big beard and he catches the fish and he just dives right in, you know, raw. Towards the end of jail, I would take my top ramens. I wouldn't even cook them. I just take out the dry noodles and sprinkle the seasoning <laughs> on it and just eat it raw. <laughs> All crunchy. All crunchy. Yeah. This is delicious. It's not that bad actually. That Anyways, continue. So your bunkie. So me and my bunkie had a good yeah. thing, and I, but I was crazy on speed, and I remember there were a lot of very unsavory characters there, yeah. like this white supremacist who would always tell how tell stories about how he would pee sitting down, and he had a mustache. in jail. No, in his house. He lived in some trailer park, but I just found it interesting. Yeah, and he had a big weird Metallica mustache, but he was very sweet. Yeah, and I remember all day. And then there was some transvestite who told stories about how. How he used to fuck Eddie Murphy. How Eddie Murphy would pick him up on the road. You think it was true? I did then. Yeah. Now I don't know. Who cares? Yeah. But that was the story. Yeah. And then and then some other guy told me a story about when he got arrested, and like it was such a and I was all speedy and crazy on on the on the buprenorphine <laughs> yeah. that I was like a mental patient, and he told me a story about and he was very weird. He was like a guy who wanted to be my friend. Yeah. And I didn't like anybody wanting to be my friend. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially in a situation like that. Unless they were like you or like me. This yeah. guy was like head shaved, weirdo. Yeah. He told me the story about how when he got taken to jail, like it was like some mixed truck of men and women, and the women were all pulling up their shirts and pushing their breasts against the window. Oh. And the guys were all taking out their dicks and putting their Dude, dicks against the window. I have to interject with a little story real quickly. But can don't forget where you're at. The the jail bus once I was on it. They would have the first half of the bus would be women and the second half would be men. And they load the men on first or in the back and then they put up this cage, right? And then there's the story he told then, me. Yeah, and there's the cage and there's then there's women in the front, right. right? And so the the women that were in the back of the women's section and the men that were in the front. So the back row of the women's section and the front row of the men's section could talk to each other easily. It was just through like this kind of thick chicken wire. Were they fucking through it? No, well, you can't get anything through it. Okay. So this is what happened, though. This chick, like, finger bangs herself, right? And she takes her fucking finger out, just covered in, like, grossness, sticks it through the little hole that she can just pick, put her uh, finger through, and the dude fucking sucks it all off her finger. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Really graphic, weird <laughs> sex stuff. Yeah. And I was just like, uh, and then I'm just, like, sitting in the hallway playing guitar, and he's like, could you teach me how to play guitar? I'm like... No. <laughs> and, and then anyway, so, so fast forward more and more. Wait, this is the bald guy. It's yeah. weird. Okay. And then, um, and he like really wanted to be my friend and, and like, he just made me really uncomfortable. He was also kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, and he wanted me to teach him how to play guitar and it was just, it was just a little, little heavy for me. Yeah. And then this Armenian kid gets there and he's like reeks of polo cologne and he's got all these 
collared shirts and fucking <laughs> nice jeans and shit. And he's like, this place is a dump, you know? And it was, it yeah. was like a barrack and yeah. all of us were in the same room. And yeah. he's like, I'm going to get dope. Yeah. And we're just like, huh? Yeah. You know? And I'm also blocked, yeah. but it turned out that like a portion of the guys were on methadone yeah. and a portion of the guys. And I chose buprenorphine cause I'd been on methadone for years and yeah. I didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Anyway, the way the facility was, it was like a donut. It was like a circle of houses. Yeah. And inside there was a park. And once in a while we would go to the park. There's like grass and a tree inside, yeah. a little track. You would walk around, whatever. And um, one day, um, and we're sitting there and everybody would tell stories about imagining people throwing uh, drugs over the wall into yeah. the park. And we're like, oh, that's interesting, whatever, whatever. And... Um, and then here's another weird piece of the story. And, and you're not going to get the reference, but I might as well put it out there for everybody else. You guys were talking about your favorite counselor you ever yeah. had or the coolest counselor you yeah. ever had. In the last I, episode. You know, I rarely ever connected to counselors. Yeah. And I rarely ever connected to teachers. Yeah. Like, I didn't really have any teachers who liked me. Yeah. Nobody who thought, who saw anything in me. Yeah. Same with counselors. I was yeah. just like, I don't know why. Like, yeah. nobody ever... I always had a lot of friends and people thought I was cool, whatever. Teachers and counselors fucking were not interested in me. <laughs> um, but at this place, there was a counselor... He's the coolest counselor I ever had. And he was a bass player. And um, I know you've never... Have you ever heard of the TV show Welcome Back, Cotter? Yeah, because uh, there was a kid named James Cotter in my school who killed himself. Why did he... Because he was named after Welcome Back, Cotter? No, he didn't kill himself. He was cliff diving in Vietnam or some shit, and he, he died cliff diving. But anyways, everybody used to say... The one, one teacher used to say, Welcome Back, Cotter, every time he came to, into the classroom. Until he died. He died years after we graduated. And nobody said welcome back, Cotter, to him anymore. No. But anyway, that's how I know it. Yeah. That's really sad. I feel Super bad for saying that. They couldn't get his body. He was like under a waterfall. Oh, God. I'm like Dopey Nation. I'm sorry for being Anyways, so Anyways, so welcome back, Cotter. We're he going was, on so many tangents. He the was the story. bass player. Uh, John Sebastian wrote the theme song called yeah. Welcome Back. It goes, welcome back. Yeah. Your dreams are your ticket out. Yeah. You know that song? Welcome no. back, welcome back, welcome back. Yeah. And it turns out that's one of my favorite songs. It was one of my favorite shows. And this guy was the bass player on the session. And he was super cool. And he was the first counselor who started to fill me in that I was going to die. You know, just seeing... I, I was like 35 at this point. Yeah. Or No, you were younger than that. 34, 35. It was the end. It was right... Before I left, okay. it was the spring that I left. Okay, it's thirty-four, thirty-five, and he and, and I told him that my mother was dying, and he was telling me like that that I needed to get clean yeah. before she died, and um, and it made an impression on me. Yeah. I, I was I was very taken with him, and, I, and so that one guy made an impression. He really did. Yeah. Um, anyway, fast forward the next day, Armenian guy gets drugs. You're ruining my whole story. Yeah, but continue. I was just trying to get them back on track. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting in the story playing guitar, and all of a sudden, the Armenian guy comes running towards the, the room, yeah. being chased by the bass player, yeah. counselor guy, yeah. with a tennis ball in his hands. I'm sitting, I wasn't sitting in, my, in the hallway, I was sitting in my bed. He throws the ball. Yeah. It lands in my bag. Yeah. In my bed. <laughs> my suitcase is yeah. sitting on my bed, yeah. and his tennis ball lands now, in did my bed. Did you see, did they... Did the 
bass player counselor see it land in your... Did he see him throw it? Yeah. He saw him throw it, but he didn't see what he threw. He didn't see where it went. He just grabbed the Armenian guy and took him into an office. Okay. And then everybody swarms to my bag, and it's a tennis ball, and it's full of tar. And fancy tar. How much? Very little. Very little? 20 bucks tops. 30 bucks. There's six guys. Yes. You know? But it's fancy tar. It's It's not a balloon. It's two or three. It's tar with a fucking stamp. I've never seen that. Yeah. Yeah. I never saw it either. Fancy. Is it that tar that's like kind of glassy almost? I bet it was like that fancy Persian tar. That expensive. It's like glassy and like shiny? Shiny. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Nice. It's harder. <coughs> it's not as sticky and malleable. No, it was pretty soft, but it just looked nice. It was a nice brown. It was just, it was nice looking. It was like not the shit that you get in downtown Los Angeles. It was yeah. much nicer. And uh, and everybody starts freaking out. Do you remember on the Chappelle show, like whenever like there's a party and then that dude comes in doing the robot and... You know, like when, like, have you ever seen the Chappelle yeah, show at the barber shop? It's like that. All of a sudden, everyone's freaking out. They're cutting up the dope. Some dude reaches into his bunk bed. He pulls a syringe out. <laughs> it's like he he grabs the dope. They all cut up the dope. Yeah. He's shooting the fucking dope. He yeah. gives it to the fucking bald head. He's sharing needles. They're in yeah. detox, He's sharing needles, it, yeah. fucking shooting this tar. But everybody's in suboxone or methadone, right? Yes. And then, and then my bunkie gives me a piece of the tar, and I just shove it up my nose. Yeah. I just forgot yeah. that I was blocked. Yeah. And then, and it didn't affect me, and I was like, uh, why did I do that? Yeah. You know, why did I? And then all of the, the Jew in me, the neurotic yeah. Jew in me, comes out. I can't believe I did that. Why would I do that? What a stupid thing to do. I can't believe I did that. Yeah. And then in the middle of the night... I go to the office, and I said, I did dope last night, you know. And, and like, I, I want to be an FBI agent, and I need to come out and tell people. No, I just <laughs> I just couldn't handle it. With the yeah. buprenorphine, I was yeah. blocked. I didn't feel the dope. And then I, did, did everybody get fucked because of you? I think everybody was going to get fucked anyway. They knew that oh, the yeah, Armenian guy, the Armenian guy had, had brought in the drugs. And, and I was like, just let me go. So you narked. I, I was just like... I was just like, just let me go. And then, and then, and then, and then for, they were like, we're not going to let you go. We're kicking you out. <laughs> yeah. and, and in the morning, they kicked me out with the guy with the shaved head. And he's like, hey, what do you want to do? You want to go cop? I was like, get away from me. You and, didn't go buy drugs? No. I got on the train, on the subway yeah. in Los Angeles, which is a it sad sucks. place yeah, to I've, be. I used to ride in from Pasadena to L.A. It was sad. I took it to MacArthur Park. It's not meant to be used. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know, it sucks. It was worth it for that. I, yeah. was, I was in Tarzana, yeah. and I had to go back to downtown LA. I went to MacArthur Park. Then I got on the bus to go to Echo Park, and it was raining. It was like 11 o'clock in the morning. My girlfriend was at work. Uh, the door was open. My cats were there. I was sick as shit. With withdrawing, freezing, sick, you know, just fucking dope sick. The the buprenorphine has worn off, and um, I got into bed with the two cats. Oh, first, I smoked a ton of weed, and then I got into the bed, and I was just like, "Let me die." I was like, "This was just so bad," and I think I think the reason that I'm telling this story was because I was compelled. To tell the to tell the truth, yeah, 
You know? It did me no good. But I needed to leave. I think the best part of that story is still just that it fell in your bag. Yeah, maybe that story's not worth its weight in gold. No, it's good. I like it. But it makes me think about something that we... What are you doing? I'm getting the thing ready so we can can play the... No, no. uh, Before we do that. You know what it reminds me of, and it's something that we never talk about, is withdrawal. We never talk about withdrawal. Yeah, you probably have a lot more experience withdrawing than me. The, the only withdrawal that really stands out in my head was I was on Suboxone for two years and I went to detox for three days before, before I met you at Mountainside. And it was just, it wasn't really acute, but it was just like a month and a half of just like, I was miserable. Well, why do you think I've been through more withdrawal than you? Because my using, you were like a turtle, like you were slow and steady and every day. Mine was always like, I was in jail, I was in rehab, I ran out, I stayed in a motel for two weeks and I shot coke and drank and did dope. And then I went into rehab for three months and I went to jail for three months and then I got out and was in a hotel for three weeks. You know what I mean? It was very like action oriented and I feel like the people that have the worst withdrawals are people who string together like, you know, long periods of time using and then they stop. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't have that. I would have long, long periods of time using and I had so much withdrawal where I would be, like, in the shower, vomiting and shitting simultaneously. Uh, Montezuma's Revenge. Like, like it's called. And it, and, and it would last forever. And, like, and people often talk about, um, you know, we get emails about recovery and about, you know, like, things about early recovery And I think one thing about early recovery is that once you don't need drugs physically, like you're on, it's such a bonus. It's such a bonus for a month, a week, two months. No, no. What I'm saying is it's like I'm reading this book, The Easy Way to Quit Smoking. Yeah. And it talks about it in the book, like that if you take enough, it's like they even write in the book, I'm reading it and it says... A heroin addict knows when they're in withdrawal, if they take another shot, they're postponing the withdrawal. Yeah. You know? So it's like once you get out of hardcore drug addiction, you know that the second you succumb to it, you're just in. It sucks, yeah. You're just in, though. Well, it, for 12-step vernacular, it's, you know, there's the obsession and the compulsion, and the compulsion is... You know, that's the withdraw- That's when you physically need it. You know what I mean? The compulsion gets lifted after a period, but then the obsession's still there. So you're talking about when the compulsion's gone. Like, just when you're technically, like, clean in terms of, like, your body. Like, that's what you're talking about. Right? This is the worst episode. <laughs> I don't even know what we're talking about. But, oh, wait, you know what I was just thinking? Withdrawals? I had really bad alcohol withdrawals once really I just had seized out like very bad and the worst <laughs> the worst alcohol withdrawals I ever had was before I could legally drink I was 20 years old I was in college in Washington D.C. Um, I spent probably five months four and a half five months drinking all day every day and like I'm not talking like There was, like, drinking in the morning, like, before this. This was, like, drinking at 5 a.m., like, waking up, drinking at 2 a.m., 
drinking literally around the clock nonstop. And I remember I'd get up in the morning, I'd fucking be shaking, and I'd go into the bathroom, and it was a public bathroom that nobody else used because people were just terrified of me and my roommate. So it was basically our own bathroom, even though it was for, like, four other rooms. And I'd go in, and I'd sit on the floor, and there's just, like, piss around it. You know, I didn't even care. My bare skin would be touching the piss. I'd grip the toilet bowl. I'd be convulsing and shaking, and I'd sit there and dry heave for 30 minutes. Not anything would come up, and I just, just like over and over, like I was gonna puke, and nothing would come up. And then I'd go have to drink Benadryl. I mean, I drink uh, Pepto Bismol because my heart had worse heartburn. And if I drank Pepto Bismol and then drank vodka, like I'd feel like a little bit better. But I couldn't drink either one like on its own. But well, why also, were you in with alcohol withdrawal if you were drinking vodka? Because I'd wake up and I'd be shaking, and then I need to drink. To stave off the to stave off the shakes. Well, okay. I remember when I was in very, 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 very early sobriety. One thing that I would always think to myself when I was pissing, I would think, "Thank God I can still piss." <laughs> like, 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 because I would, have, I would just be miserable and and like feeling bad and like pissing was a pleasurable activity. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'd be, <laughs> I, I think I'd think. Thank God for drainage, <laughs> you know, and, and like, and I just want to talk about like, I guess very early recovery. What can you do? What can you do in very early recovery to keep you from using? Because there's listeners who are like thinking about you, like use this morning, and are trying not to use. Well, it starts with just fucking taking action. For one, if it's super early recovery and you have to be physically removed from drugs, which is what has had to happen to me traditionally. Like, I needed to go away somewhere. Like, I needed to go to detox at the very least or go to a 30-day. That's like that's even short for me, like a spin cycle to just physically remove me from the drugs for a period. And then once I was out on my own, I needed to take action every single day. I needed to be social. But talk, wouldn't you say, though, before, before you even get there, before you even get there, lots of people are on the fence about whether they should go away or not. Like, like, I mean, for you've been through it so many times, you would always go away. It was always go away because it was, first of all, I had the capability of doing that because my family had resources to send me. But so free detoxes possible. aren't bad. Free yeah. So go away if you can. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to do it because they don't want to surrender their stupid little life that they think is so important. And they don't realize that this fucking monkey that they have on their back is going to kill them. Eat their brains. And, ten, yeah, eat their <laughs> brain, and it is ten times like more important to deal with than whatever they got going on in the outside world. That which you put before your recovery, you will lose. That monkey on your back will tend to eat your brains. <laughs> play the play the voicemail. All right, let's play the voicemail. Okay, this is from... Uh, I can't say his name, right? I don't know. I don't think I'm supposed to. Don't use my name. This is from Don't Use My Name out in Cincinnati, Ohio. Great little thing. Yeah, so we've been loving this. We've been getting voice memos. Don't we love mentioned. voice memos. Voice memos are fucking great. If you want to record something on your iPhone and send it to us, please do. Could be a short little nugget, short story, anything. Um, to be honest, if it goes really long, we probably won't play it. But if it's anywhere from like... We want it to be less than 15 minutes. Less than... I'd say anywhere from one minute to like eight minutes is the sweet spot. But if it's longer than that, it's good. But if eight you send minutes. us... If eight you send minutes. us something really long, we probably won't play it. So anyways... Eight minutes. 
Credits is good. I fucking laughed out loud at this. I can even add a little story. I emailed the guy a story that corresponded with this thing right here. Um, but anyways, I'll play it for you. Uh, and here we go. Hey, guys. Um, big fan of the show. I drive a ton for work, like almost 30 hours or 2,000 miles roughly um, a week. And when I found you guys, I blew through the episodes. I think I've gone through them all two or three times by now. Um, You guys are absolutely hilarious. The dynamic between you two is so fucking funny. Um, I love Chris doing the toodles and, like, always vaping. And then Dave shitting on him just cracks me up all the time. Um, And I can... I never got to the point where I shot anything, even though I've done my fair share, so I'm sure you guys would uh, render me uh, a pussy (laughs) as a result. I've actually tried to record this. I'm driving right now for work, funny enough, and I have no service, so I figured I'd uh, send you guys this because I've recorded it and then send it to you because I've been meaning to for a while. I keep saying my name. <laughs> having to delete it, so I uh, thought I would hit you guys with some dopey. If you want to play it on the show, go for it. If not, it's totally okay. Hopefully, I'm not too long-winded. I'm kind of high-strung all the time, and I talk really fast. So I, <laughs> I apologize for that too. Um, but I, I figured I'd tell you guys a story about the first time I tripped. Um, I had done a ton of research on Arrowhead and everything like that um, in preparation. I was super interested in tripping. Uh, on, and a bunch of my friends, I think I was like 16 or 17, um, had gotten a hold of quite a bit of acid and they gave me two tabs for free. So, um, I couldn't wait. It had been like two days and I was going to like take one and then give one to a friend of mine. But, uh, I, I just couldn't wait. I took both of them, um, sat down and I was just watching TV left them under my tongue and they're really bitter so i knew something was wrong because i know with actual lsd you don't taste it right i think that's i think that's right either way uh, i'm sure you guys will be able to correct me um i found out later on it'll it'll make sense uh, at the end of the story it a terrible trip um ended up being the 2ci in bohm or whatever uh terrible time i don't know how chris shot all those research chemicals it's fucking beyond me i've done a a lot of different shit and oh man it was just not did not agree with my brain either way uh, left them under my tongue for like two hours tasted god awful swallowed them waited another hour still nothing and so i'm doing this by myself i lived with my parents at the time um and i was like fuck this i'm over it i just want to go to sleep it was probably 2 a.m by this point and so i smoked a bowl and went to bed and fell asleep almost right away and I woke up about 45 minutes later in a fucking wonderland, pretty much. Just grids everywhere, lots of colors, uh, corners of the walls moving, the TV was pulsing, I couldn't focus my eyes, um, just laughing uncontrollably. Uh, I had made a playlist of shit I wanted to listen to uh, first time I tripped, so I threw that on. Um, on my iPod through my speakers and I was like, oh, like I'm going to go take a shower. I bet you shower will feel cool. So I get in the shower, brought my speaker with me and I uh, set it on the toilet next to the shower and I'm literally dancing in the shower, having the time of my life by myself too, funny enough. Um, 
I, I was in there for probably an hour and the water goes cold and that just sent me down the worst path possible started freaking out hopped out of the shower um, put jeans and a t-shirt on and I was like man I need a cigarette I need to calm down and so I go outside I only have two left so I smoke them back to back and I'm like man like I need to go get more cigarettes and I'm not even remotely worried about driving as paranoid as I was so I drive down uh, to the Walgreens and I get to the counter and I was like yeah can I get two packs um, and they set them on the counter and my total popped up on the little screen and I opened my wallet and I knew that I needed cash to get the cigarettes, but all concept of numbers was completely just out of my mind. Like I did not know how they worked. And, uh, I, I handed this woman, now that I think about it, probably, I don't know, like 60 bucks or so <laughs> for cigarettes. I remember her handing me a bunch of bills back immediately and I was like, oh fuck, like she knows. Either way, get my cigarettes. I drove around for probably two or three hours uh, just chain-smoking, just freaking the fuck out, um, just as anxious as possible. I wasn't hallucinating, but everything was moving and crazy, and uh, by this point, I stayed out till probably 6.30 in the morning, so I drive home, finally feel like I can sleep. Um, I smoked another bowl, and albeit knowing that it would make me more paranoid, I felt like I'd be able to sleep. So I lay down, and I was, uh, funny enough, I was actually listening to podcasts, just trying to uh, just calm my mind, get, get my mind off of it. And this is where it gets kind of funny. Um, I laid in bed for probably a couple hours, and then next thing I know, uh, there's a knock on my door, and my mom opens it. She's like, oh, well like are you ready and I was like ready for what like I'm, I'm trying to sleep I've been up all night I didn't tell her I was tripping or anything she was like oh well it's your niece's birthday and I was like oh fuck like I, I can't not go to my niece's birthday um so and it's a Chuck E. Cheese it's 8 a.m. on a Saturday mind you so drive to Chuck E. Cheese separately from my parents because I was like man I need to just get my mind straight before I get down there and I'm feeling a lot better at this point even though I'm still pretty paranoid um by the time I get to Chuck E. Cheese um I see my family and everything in the parking lot start to calm down just familiar faces it's daylight I'm like okay I can do this I'm good and um I, w- I walk inside with him and immediately it is a packed house. I, there was hardly even the space to park. There's probably 80 fucking screaming children running around Chuck E. Cheese. Lights everywhere. Um, crazy voices coming out of games. And uh, just snotty-nosed kids with, like, sin- their sinuses dripping down to their fucking knees. And I just lost my shit. I, felt, I, like, I started crying uh, in the lobby because everything was so overwhelming. I was just super emotional didn't know how to explain anything after about an hour of just like sitting there trying to eat pizza and just freaking out um i whispered to my sister i was like man like you gotta meet me outside and she was freaking out like what's wrong with you so we go outside and i light another cigarette and i was like hey told her what was going on i was like you can't tell mom and dad i gotta go to work in 45 minutes anyway just tell them i felt sick and left she's like okay everything was good on that front um and so I go, I go to work. I was rebuilding rent houses at the time. And all I had to do was show up to one and then mop and vacuum it and then take off so that when it was shown the next day, everything was good. 
And um, I don't remember driving there. I woke up face down with the vacuum running in the rent house. Um, and I could not remember my name. I remember everything that happened before that, everything about myself. Could not remember my name. Had to look at my ID. Um, and that's uh, that's pretty much the end of the story. But I, I felt like the, the whole lo- loss of concept of numbers and money was... Uh, pretty dopey it's just the first story i could think of really um again i love the show you guys are fucking hilarious um i'm definitely not gonna stop listening anytime soon and uh just keep doing what you're doing i appreciate you guys a whole lot and uh have a good show i'm looking forward to it that's Great, awesome right? awesome dude i have a uh, just real quickly before i email them the story so in the beginning of this episode, I talked. Those beginning of this episode, right? About talking about Tina and the LSD. Yeah. So before that, what actually happened was, no, this wasn't that same time. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was. Um, it was about a month later because this is when I went to detox and my my mother drove down to Brooklyn and surprised me. So like actually a month after that thing happened with the LSD, I had another LSD thing, where I wasn't even trying to hide it anymore, and. Um, I got drunk, I took a bunch of ecstasy, and then I dropped a bunch of LSD, and I was sitting at the uh, sober living I was managing, and I was like, fuck, like, I gotta get out of here, like, residents are known fucked up, like, this is fucked up, so I just went to my girlfriend's house, and I had her key, right, and, um, I get in the car, this is the same, reminds me of the story we just heard, I get in the, uh, the taxi, or the Uber, and I tell the guy the address, and this shit is kicking in, and I am just getting rocked beyond belief. Like, I was, I, I remember I was, like, I was really fucked up. And I took two hits of this ecstasy, and they said that there was these supermans. They're, like, take a half a hit. And I took, I took both, and, like, I hadn't rolled in a long time. And I was just, like, and I took all the LSD, and it all started kicking at once. And I was already drunk, and I was just, like, so fucked up. And we're driving, and I started to get really paranoid that the you're with your mother no I'm with an uber driver going to my girlfriend's house and then when my girlfriend showed up she called my parents and my mother and my sister drove from Boston and came to the apartment there so this is before that happened I'm on the way to her apartment getting so fucked up in the cab and uh, in the uber and I remember thinking the acid's hitting the acid and the ecstasy at the same time and I'm just fucking sweating like uncontrollably sweating just like like I was like just finished a basketball game like just sweating right Chris sweats if he wears a dress shirt yeah so I sweat yeah I just sweat anyway so fucking I'm sitting in the cab and I start to get really paranoid that the cab driver I'm looking out the, the windows and I'm not recognizing anything and I don't think he's taking me to the address and I start asking him where are you taking me and I still like I actually didn't even remember this until I responded to the the. it's hard I can't say his name until I responded to that voice memo I didn't remember this I was so scared that the cab driver was, like, taking me somewhere, like, I didn't know where I was going, and he knew I was fucked up. In retrospect, I remember the cab driver, and he was very scared of me, (laughs) because I kept on being like, where are you taking me? (laughs) (laughs) He was like, I didn't need the address you told me. So anyways, though, I get to my girlfriend's apartment, we're there, and... He doesn't even tell me how much it is, and I look in my wallet, and it's the same fucking thing as that voice memo we just heard. I have no concept of money, and I know I had hundreds and hundreds of dollars. I had like $300 in my wallet. I had no concept of money. I just took probably like half, probably like 200 bucks, 
and crumpled it up and just threw it in the front seat. And I just was like, is that enough? <laughs> and the guy was like, yeah, it's enough. And I left. Yeah. And then the shit hit the fan. This episode is like, uh, it's like a, it's like a, a classic bad episode of Dopey. What does that mean? I mean, it's like in the new good episodes of Dopey, we like talk about other stuff and we, we don't necessarily get hung up on stories. And in this episode, we got hung up on... It's also late at night. It's late at night. It's all asides. We say one half of one story, and I'm interjecting stories within your stories. And It's a classic, classic, it's horrible... It's classic, yeah. Let, email us if this was a horrible episode, please. Please, let us know. I don't really think it was a horrible episode. It just reminds me of, like, classic... The early ones we Classic, not great, dopey. Yeah. But, um... Once again, though, tonight was a big night. We had a huge steak dinner. We fucking did a simulcast. We're in a hotel room on the park. And now I got to go drive you all the way home. Isn't that funny? I'm dropping you off at the suburbs and coming back to New York City tonight. It's crazy. You're going to walk around the park at 3 a.m.? No, you're not going to do that. I like to. I like to reflect. That's where I connect. Dude, you got to get plugged in with G-O-D. HP. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just want to say to the Dopey Nation that uh, it's really, really fun to hear from you guys, and we've been getting a lot of uh, feedback, emails. Yeah, and also for emails, we respond to everything. We're taking longer to respond. We used to respond within hours or a day. Sometimes it's taking us like a week to respond. So if you email us, we almost always get back to you. It just might take a little bit. We don't take a week. There's a couple in here. In my, there's like five in my phone we haven't responded to from over a week. Well, if we haven't responded to you, just know that the email wasn't good enough to merit a response. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but if we haven't responded, you send another email. If we haven't read your email what? and you want us Are to... Are you saying if we haven't responded, they should send another email? Yeah. Dude, why don't we you just forgot. respond? If we forgot or something. But, uh, if, we, if we forgot, we didn't forget on purpose. We'll uh, like that. And then... Um, if we haven't read your email on the show and you want us to read it's it... It's probably because you're not an ex-gymnast female in the fucking jungle sending... Whatever. That was the last episode, man. All right, that's enough. Let's fucking finish this. Well, yeah, I, I take that back. I apologize to you okay. and to the Dopey Nation. Apology accepted. Um, send us emails and write reviews. And oh, please, strong. write us a review. It's the greatest thing in the world when we receive if you can, If you can send <laughs> us a review in a needle uh, so Chris can shoot it, that would be great. Exactly, yeah. Roll that up in your pipe. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Stay strong. And write a review about this episode. And toodles. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I want to be good so bad. want to be so good, so bad, so bad. I want to be good so bad. Bad desire's all I ever had. And I want to take a ride up in the sky. Watch this aeroplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad 
Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad I wanna be good, so bad Bad desire's all I ever had